So obviously want to dig into the uh, the Dio era and talk a little Heaven and Hell, Black Sabbath, and a little Last in Line and get your opinion on a couple things. But uh, let's start with the, uh, the Dio and the <laughs> incredible remix, remastered, outtakes, live album, this whole deluxe edition of Holy Diver. And I kind of want to go back to the beginning of the Dio band because it was you and Ronnie that really started it and kind of want to go back to your headspace. I mean, he came to you while you guys were still in Sabbath to break off and do this solo thing. Was it uh, was it a tough decision to leave an established band like Sabbath to go off into the unknown? Or was it about, like, being young and adventurous? You know, it was a big decision, but it was easy for me because Ronnie and I, you know, we came out of Sabbath. We became very, very good friends. And it was, uh, like, Okay, do I stay with Sabbath or do I go with Ronnie? So Ronnie asked me if I wanted to play with him, first of all. And then, uh, yeah, so I, I thought, well, what do I do? Do I stay with Sabbath, you know, to establish heavy metal legends yeah. or start a band with Ronnie, who I get along with, like, really great. And this could be exciting. And this is like one of the best singers in rock, you know, ever. So uh, I decided that it would be more exciting to uh, do it this way, you know, with Ron. And that's what I did. Try the unknown and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a complete unknown, obviously. Ronnie has a built-in, uh, let's say, audience, you know. Plus, you know, I was a lot younger. I was in my 20s. So it was like, you know, when you're younger and you don't look so much for the security, you know, <laughs> you got pretty good choices there, so. I love the uh, remix that Joe Barisi did, and, and it's really cool. Uh, being a radio DJ, I hate fading out songs because it's like you never know exactly when to kind of jump in. I like songs that end cold or cold fade, as they say in radio. And I love that in this uh, this new package, the Joe Barisi mix, he kind of let the songs play out rather than fade out. Yeah, I don't know if he was um, looking for stuff. Uh, you know, I mean, you're pulling out these old tapes. And they were on, they were on 24 track tapes from 1983, 82. Actually, it was recorded. Yeah, you, know, you might as well look through it and see what's on there. So he found a bunch of uh, outtakes. I haven't heard it yet. Actually, they're supposed to be delivering the album today to me uh, via uh, UPS. So like, I heard a little bit of Holy Diver, and I heard there was an ending on it. And the ending was kind of a 2001 thing. Played along, then we went boom, 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 <laughs> and those are the endings. Were just did for a goof off ah you know? interesting interesting sometimes we play that ending on every song just you know when we were just rehearsing or something because it was stupid basically <laughs> we were crazy <laughs> a lot of fade outs on the album though i mean a lot of, a lot of those songs on the holy diver album did fade out like that i guess i guess that was planned but i would think as a drummer you'd be the guy like well we don't fade out live like how do we end this song live now nah, that comes next then we knew we were going to get into what's going to happen when we play live you know we're going to need endings and ronnie likes to put songs together like a medley so we knew that was coming that's when we worked on the endings. It was easier to fade out. We didn't really have an ending. So I actually never even thought of that until you said that, that <laughs> there's a lot of fade outs on the record. Speaking of uh, Holy Diver on the live album, that's when you take your drum solo at the end of that. And I'm kind of curious if that was that was always the plan. Did it stay in the set? Because I know the show in the in the set, the uh, Land Arena from Fresno in 83 was pretty early, like first, second show or something like that. And loved the drum solo. And kind of curious, did that stay in that point? Did it stay at the end of Holy Diver like that throughout the tour? Or did that kind of evolve as, as the set evolved? No, it... Uh... 
the set moved around a lot. The drum solos moved around. And uh, so I don't even know where it was at that point in the set, wherever it was. And then we, we usually did the drum solo and then started into another song. We, we always change things around a lot for live, you know. For sure. You know, it was interesting to see, and you never know if credits are exactly right or whatever, but it was interesting that on the uh, Rainbow in the Dark and the song, the songwriting credits listed you first and then Jimmy and Vivian and, and Ronnie. And I'm kind of curious, did did you have a big hand in that? Because I'd always heard that uh, Jimmy wrote the little keyboard lick, but kind of curious to your songwriting contribution to the tune Rainbow in the Dark. You know, I had a bunch of ideas. I actually started the groove, and then we just started jamming. And and I recorded it, and uh, and then I I think I came up with the idea of the hits. You know, why don't we do some hits in it and, and do it like that? So really, a lot of those songs were that came up with jamming and putting them together that way. So, in, you know, with music politics... It didn't work exactly like that. You know, <laughs> Ronnie got credit for full songs and we got uh, kind of even credits. But Jimmy and Viv got a bit more than I did. And uh, we all worked our ass on these songs, you know. So I don't play guitar, but I certainly hear notes and chords and, and structure, everything, you know. So so that's the way that works. You know, it was a band effort. Love the remix. I really love it. The studio outtakes and some of that and you hear Ronnie like, oh, I like that one a little bit slower like that. And to, just to kind of be a fly on the wall for some of that stuff. I know you haven't heard it yet, but but really cool as a fan to get to hear some of those things and those little uh, behind the scenes kind of things. Are there any curses in there? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear any of that, but uh, but uh, just cool little notes, and and even you doing a little drum fill before clicking in and starting the tune, and hearing the uh, the metronome going the whole time. It just really felt like a fly. No, the there's wall. no me- there's no metronome. Or there's some sort of click going on at the beginning of a couple of the tunes. I think that was just clicking. I I, I don't think we we didn't use any click on that album. Huh. All the Sabbath stuff and Dio stuff would never use clicks. Huh. So I'll have to I'll have to listen to it and see what that is. Yeah, for sure. It could, it could be my hi hat. It could be my hi hat because I always, you know, before the song we're going to record, I always have the hi hat going, even when people are talking and messing around and stuff. I don't know. I'll have to listen to it. Well, I got to think. Yeah, definitely worth it. Worth the listen, and and I uh, think it's on one of those like outtake studio outtakes. It kind of starts with that. I can't even remember which song, but there were a couple where you'd hear that. But uh, you know, I did want to touch on a, a little uh, heaven and hell time, and I got to thank you, man. The uh, that heaven and hell yeah. tour you did. August, I looked up the date, August 11, 2009, at the Greek Theater. I remember like halfway during that set, looking over at my buddy and going this is a special night. Like this doesn't happen every night. There was some, something magical in the air that night for sure. And, uh, just wanted to thank you a, as a fan. And then B, uh, I loved your, your drum set and those high China symbols. Although I think you ended up having some shoulder problems with the, the height on those, <laughs> right? Oh yeah. I destroyed my shoulders with that kit. That was a DW kit at 21 pieces. It was one of the biggest kits out there. And people at soundcheck in the venues and stuff, guests that were there, used to come on stage and go, can I take a picture in front of this drum set? <laughs> it was beautiful. It was a beautiful drum set. It was so big. So, uh, yeah, it destroyed my, especially my right shoulder. I had to get um, uh, surgery to put it back together, you know. It's been good ever since. So, knock on wood. The other one hurts a little bit, but, you know, that kind of comes and goes. But uh, you're not supposed to play, you know, drums behind you and 
<laughs> five, six feet up in the air. <laughs> it looked cool as hell. Yeah, yeah that, that set looked killer. That set went to a museum in Germany. They actually wanted the set for a museum. It's a rock museum in Germany. Mm. And uh, they offered to buy it, sold it to them, and cleared it with DW. And uh, that's sitting in a... Uh, German museum. I'd love to see it too. Next time I go to Europe, I got to track it down. One other thing about the uh, heaven and hell time I wanted to touch upon. I think it was the only one you did the best buy in store uh, autograph signing for the album coming out, which happened to be in our radio market in the Inland Empire, San Bernardino, Riverside area. Kind of curious if you had any stories. I know you guys all came out in a limo. Were you guys cracking jokes any the whole time? Or can you take me back to that day? Any memories from that day? Uh, that was a heaven and hell, right? Yeah, the heaven and hell in-store in San Bernardino at the Best Buy. Well, we did a number of Best Buys. They were kind of like sponsoring this stuff, and they were all crazy. I, I think a kid there, I forgot, there was something going on with one of the kids. He was uh, having a panic attack or something, uh, something crazy, you know, screaming and and stuff like that. They they All those kind of things are just, you know, crazy. People get online early and there's a lot of people and they just want to come up, you know, they'll stand in line for hours and come up to get a picture or an autograph, whatever, right up close with the band, you know. So uh, I just remember it being totally nuts. Yeah, I think you know, I, we used to do it in the 80s, too. And it was and it was nuts, too, when Holy Diver came out. You you're know? referring to the guy yelling Sabbath the whole time, right? The guy screaming yeah, Sabbath yeah, the I remember time. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that was my brother Carmine. <laughs> <laughs> you you said you were talking to Carmine earlier. Were you, you guys getting the drum wars going again or what's going on with Carmine? Yeah, we're doing a couple of shows on the East Coast. We got one in Buffalo, New York on the 4th of August and one in the city at the Cutting Room in New York City on the 6th of August. So we're looking forward to that. We haven't played in a while since the pandemic and and uh all that crap. So uh we're looking forward to this. It's going to be with our band. We're going to play some couple of new songs, and uh, the band kicks ass, and we kick each other's ass. So it's a great night of, of rock, high energy. You know, it's a great show. Anything on the uh, West Coast or trying trying to work your way out here for the West Coast dates? Uh, well, Carmine's in Florida these days, so that's where he lives. Uh, we don't have anything else in the West Coast. We're, we're trying to book some more shows in between schedules, you know. So... It'll be on a website, my website. And we got to talk a little uh, Last in Line. Congrats, 10 years as a band now. It's the 10th anniversary for Last in Line, right? First album was 2012, or the band no, formed in 2012. No, first album was 2016. Sorry, the band formed in 2012, <laughs> first album 2016. Uh, no, 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 the band got together probably 2015. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. You scared me that I went, well, <laughs> 10 years? <laughs> well, at least- No, we, 2015. 2015. We, we got together, first album 2016. And then the second album was 2018 or 19. And now you yeah. got to you got to share your singer Andrew Friedman also in uh, in uh, Great White as well. You know we're sharing Viv with Def Leppard and he's gone, so all of us are able to do some other thing because uh, there's blocked time. You know we can't get together yet. So uh, Andrew's singing. Uh, you know, they're, they're good friends and uh, he's going out with them until Viv comes back. And then we start up at the end of September and October, and November, and probably some of December. Great. Yeah. And we did, we just finished a new album, just mastered it. It sounds fantastic. We're just waiting to figure out a name for it. It's going to come out next year. November 18th, we're releasing a EP, which has a new song 
a new cover song and two live tracks and uh, and a video that's going to come out. So November 18th, that'll be dropping everywhere. Beautiful. And it sounds great. We're having a lot of fun. The, the album's really cool. Yeah. I know everybody says that, but <laughs> well, it's a Zeppelin. they're lying. Uh, so we got, we got a couple <laughs> live tunes, a Zeppelin cover and one original. Is that the EP? No, no Zeppelin cover. It's just a cover tune. I can't tell you what it is. Okay. It's a famous song, but we just redid it. Touring actually come first. We'll get the touring and then the EP and then the album next year. Right. That's right. That's what we're doing. Look forward to that. And last thing, Vinny, uh, we're one of those old school radio stations. We do mandatory Metallica every night at 10 p.m., which you're going to be a part of. And I'm kind of curious, you know, the the D.O. album, Holy Diver, came out in 83. Metallica's first album was 83. Kind of curious how, when, where, why did Metallica come on your radar? Metallica on our radar, we did a, a few shows together. A lot of them were festivals in Europe, and uh, I got some posters from that. And it's funny to see is Dio and then Metallica's opening below Dio. And there's a couple of people below that, too. But uh, it's funny. We're above Metallica, who are huge, you know. But that was a long time ago. You know, but we did play dates together. We know we know each other and um, they love Ronnie. Ronnie loves those guys. And I think Lars was a big fan of Rainbow before Metallica started. He used to wait outside and he got to talk to Ronnie at one of the gigs and you know and Ronnie was very nice to him as he always is and uh you know that's a lasting memory you know for Lars and stuff and uh there's the connection and so. what about Lars as a player you must have been a fan right yeah yeah Lars is kick ass man the band obviously kicks ass you know and uh Lars is a great drummer love his drum sound love the way he plays and approaches things very melodic you know, sometimes less is more, and uh, it really works. Fantastic. And do you have a, uh, a Metallica tune we could play for Mandatory Metallica? I like uh, the old Enter Sam, man. Beautiful, Vin. Thank you so much for the time and making this happen. Thank you. Uh, honored to talk to Thank you. Thank you, Mike. And uh, can't wait for the last in line stuff. Hopefully we'll see you and talk to you then at that time. All right. Sounds good. You take care, Mike. All you right. Bye-bye. Dude, you absolutely rock. Thank you so much for checking out the entire interview. Now just hit subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, Radioactive Mike Z. My interviews in their entirety, available on all the major platforms. Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening to right now. Just hit the subscribe button. Make sure to give me a follow on the socials as well. I'll follow you back at MikeZ967. And bro, don't miss the radio show. Now 10 p.m to midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks in the Southern California Inland Empire area, Riverside, San Bernardino County. Always streaming online at kcalfm.com. You, my friend, absolutely rock.